Good evening, everybody. This is Gabby, and welcome to the Grace, Peace, and Balance podcast. Today, I've got a very, very special lady um, that I'm going to have a conversation with, and she has an extremely powerful message uh, to pass on, and you've got to listen to it and share it if you know anybody going through the same uh, stuff she's been going through. So, um, I am going to read, um, she's got a long bio, so I'm going to just read the short version. Cheryl Davis, she is the CEO of Davis Consulting Group. Cheryl is, a, yeah, she is a certified Jack Canfield, the success principles trainer. She is a speaker. She is a coach and mentor, and she is a volunteer. She believes in volunteering. She lives to serve others. She is active in church ministries, and she is part of so many associations of colored people, family promise. She was past vice chair of civil service board um, in Castleberry, board member of Castleberry Parks and Recreation Board, past board member of Fringe Orlando, founder and executive director of Computer Enrichment Center, citizens on patrol, volunteer for the Sanford Police Department. So she does a lot of uh, volunteer work. Today, the title of our conversation is going to be um, about domestic violence. And the title will be, I was living with a narcissist. So here we go. Cheryl, welcome to the Grace, Peace, Balance podcast. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be with you um, to share the experience that I had of living with a narcissist and domestic violence as um, it has just touched me in a way that I never imagined, and I just want to share it with others because I am sure there are some individuals out there that are either in a situation or have been in a situation. Just did not go to the extreme that mine went to. Sure. Okay, before we get into the subject, tell us a little bit about yourself so that people know who you are. Like, yes, I did read your bio, but tell us a little bit. You have children. Uh, Where do you live? I, um, I actually came from up north. So I came from uh, very, very cold weather to very, very hot weather. Um, I do have a daughter who is 30 years old. And uh, she's a businesswoman, so she's very, very successful. I'm very, very pleased for her. Um, and I do have, um, I have pets. I love animals. Um, I've worked in multiple nonprofit organizations, either through kids' organizations or health organizations or uh, animal welfare or education. And so I do understand the importance of giving back, and that is my life purpose. Uh, You mentioned that I was also a Jack Canfield trainer, and that's where all of this has actually brought me to the realization of the power that I have today. Yes, you already were doing it anyway, but the Jack Canfield Train the Trainer Success Principles has helped you put things together, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, You know, it's one of those pieces. I I am an advocate for self-development, and I do know that it is important for us to continue to grow 
as individuals. It's important for us to continue to grow, to help our community, to help our families that we are engaged with, to help our friends, just to be that catalyst in the world that gives back and allows people to grow and be able to nourish with them and go on the journey. It's a journey. Yeah. And um, a long we journey. never yeah. want to go on a journey by ourselves. Yeah. You don't. And uh, there is no age limit for learning and there is no um, stopping learning. Like I've been studying this personal growth for over 20 years and still I'm reading the latest. I'm uh, doing classes, as you know me, uh, and Mm -hmm. so are you. So, yeah, so there is no, there is always a place for learning something new and uh, growing, like you said. So let's get to our subject. So your subject is... Domestic violence, I was living with a narcissist. So what is a narcissist? So a narcissist, and let me just explain. I found out about this several weeks ago. Um, I've been in in a relationship uh, with my husband. We've been married for four years. And I knew something wasn't right. Um, I just knew that a person can't be this this mean, this this evil um, Mm. with another person. And I could, just didn't put my fingers on it, didn't know what it was. I just knew it wasn't normal and it wasn't right. And so several weeks ago, I had the opportunity to uh, come across a video that was strictly curiosity and found a video on narcissism, watched the video, and my mind exploded because I realized that was my situation. I never knew about this term, although, you know, um, many people, as I have found out, have known about it and has even been in relationships. And I'll share a little bit of their experience, too, through this conversation. But uh, narcissism, it's a, a person that has an excessive need for admiration. They have a disregard for other people's feelings. They have an inability to handle criticism. And they have a sense of entitlement. They produce this distorted self-image, an oversized ego, and a presumption of superiority. And it's really not based on any world accomplishment. Unfortunately, there's also no cure. Narcissism, um, there's actually a disorder. It's called narcissistic personality disorder. It's somewhat genetic and some environmental. There is no cure for it, although there's treatment. Now, in my situation, there has not been a medical diagnosis. My expertise comes from the fact that I lived the life of what a narcissist is. And so that's where my expertise comes from. Yeah. And how and when did you find out that you were living with a narcissist? Um, I would say several weeks ago, maybe maybe five or six weeks ago when I came across this. And then... Once you learn something, you start to look for signs. And so I started thinking back to, like, year one of our relationship, year two, year three. And and I'll share some of those experiences with you. But as I started looking back on our relationship, I kept going, oh, my gosh, this is it. Every single definition, every single bullet that I've found, and I've done cross uh, cross research. I've done some videos. I've done some article reading. I've reached out to individuals that are also dealing with this or have dealt with a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And 
there's so much commonality that just lets you know that this is real. Now, before people, you know, before I get into the, the true um, examples, a person might go, oh, that might sound like my know-it-all brother or my selfish sister. Well, it's yeah. probably not. A narcissist is excessive in all of the symptoms. So excessive that my relationship ended me being jailed for domestic violence, placed in maximum security from Thursday evening to Saturday afternoon. Is that, and the, I never is that the, this recently? Like yes. must, during is, Christmas, isn't it? Yes. This has happened over a seven-day period starting December 20th um, was when I was first uh, arrested at my home, um, and my daughter, we, my husband and I, we have been having these verbal confrontations, and it's been strictly verbal. There has never been anything physical. It's just been, you know, this, 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 and, you know, we would exchange words. And so on this particular night, December the 20th, my daughter had heard he and I having this, again, this conversation that just was exploding. And it was just getting really, really mean, really, really nasty. And so she called the police. Um, she called the police. The police came. I answered the door. I went outside, and I spoke to a police officer for about 15 minutes. And I was explaining to him our situation. Um, we were in the process of getting a divorce. Our lease is ending in January. We were going our separate ways. We were just going to stay together for the last four weeks you know, get the house in order so that we can get our security deposit back, move in our opposite direction. As I'm explaining this to him, and then also telling him that I'm a citizen on patrol. I volunteer with the police department. Um, I'm also heavily involved in my church, and so I've been praying on this situation continuously, and I'm sharing this with the police officer, and then up comes another police officer. This officer goes into the home. And he talks to my husband. Mm -hmm. He comes out and he says, your husband said you pushed him a day ago. You're going to jail for domestic violence. I was mortified. And a day before he told him? Yes. He said that I pushed him the day prior. Why why didn't he call the police then? And then he says, like, oh, she pushed me. Can you come and arrest her? Why didn't he say that? Wouldn't that be common sense? That seems like a question that the police officer would have asked. Yeah. Because, number one, it never happened. I never pushed him. We have only been verbal. So this was, again, and I want to go back to some of the examples of narcissism, but as we're in this section of the conversation, this, again, goes back to the symptoms of a narcissist, to have that control to whereas you have the ability to lie because they are really good at manipulation and that comes to lying. But they're very good at that. And this is what happened. I get arrested. I get to, I've never had any altercations with the police. I volunteer for the police. So if there was something in my past, it would have happened during a background check as a volunteer. Yeah. So there was nothing in my past of any criminal nature. Nothing whatsoever. And so I, so I get arrested. They take me to jail. I'm there um, 
through processing, you know, it takes a very, very long time. It's probably seven to ten hours that you're just sitting there being processed. Oh, um, prior goodness. to that, the police officer prayed with me. He let me make a few phone calls to my daughter because in this process, my mom is also here for the holidays. And so she was there during all of our altercations, which are, again, just verbal. My mother was there doing all of this, and they never asked her anything about the push. They never asked my mother, did you see it? Did it happen? Never asked her anything. So I go to jail, and I'm in maximum security on oh my Thursday evening. Are you serious? Yes, I was in maximum security. I had a cell to myself um, where I can tell you the number of screws in the wall plate. I can tell you the design on the wall, the, the size of the jail, because I tried to do everything I could to hold on to me because this whole process is dehumanizing especially when you know you do not deserve it because you did nothing wrong. Yes. And so I tried to, you know, I meditated. I used visualization. I used prayer. Pray without ceasing is something that I, I truly, truly did. And the treatment that I got in there was, it was undescribable to me. Um, the things that happen when you're in there. Now, Friday morning. Friday afternoon, I'm sorry, um, mm -hmm. I go to my appearance, and they say, okay, they gave me a bond, they gave me a court date, and they said, now you just need to have someone bond you out. Okay, fine, I can do that. The guard takes me back to my cell. She says, someone will bring you a phone. So if you think about jail, there's a pod where you have the community of inmates, and there's a phone on the wall that you can use at any time. Now, if yeah. you're in maximum security, you don't have that. They have to bring you a landline phone, and they connect it in the jack outside of your cell. Oh so you have to ask for the phone. I asked seven guards to please let me use the phone. From the time I got back to my cell, Friday at 2 o'clock, until Friday at, uh, I think the last time I asked was about 8.30 that evening. I had guards walk past my cell and said, oh, yeah, right. I had a guard that said, I'm busy right now. I had a guard that said, someone else is on the phone. I'll bring it back to you and never did. I had guards that just walked past. It had got so desperate. I had got so desperate that I actually, on my papers from the court, I took my fingernail and I wrote in the paper, please, phone. And I stuck it in my window, hoping that a guard would walk by and say, why is she still here? She should have been a guard. Yeah. It never happened. So Friday e and then the last time, Friday evening, they did take me to a phone in another pod, only to get me to that pod and say, oh, you can't use this phone because you're not part of this community. And I'm thinking, why did you bring me here if you knew I wasn't able to use the phone? So then they take me back to my cell. Now I am praying uh, immensely because the only thing I can think of is, wow, it's the 21st. This is Friday. Mm -hmm. If I don't get out Saturday, I'm going to be here over Christmas because this, the staff is going to be a skeleton crew. 
Yes. And so I prayed. I, oh, I prayed immensely. Um, I, I had great faith. I had great, great faith. And I prayed for a guard that would show me some sign of decency, just one that would take a moment, stop, and listen to what I had to say. And that morning, Saturday morning, at 6.30 a.m., a guard showed up, and every time I heard keys in the locks, I would jump up and get to my door so that I could make my request Mm -hmm. um, for a phone. And I wanted to be in place because they walked past your cell very quickly. So this particular guard, he came, it was 6.30, he stopped. I explained to him my situation. He said, I will bring you a phone back at 7 o'clock when the phones are on. Mm-hmm. As he left, I thought to myself, he's not coming back. Nobody else did. And I'm thinking, he's not coming back. 7 o'clock came, this guard came back, and, and I won't share his name, but I told him I prayed for you. I said, I prayed for an angel to come, and here you are. He brought me a phone. He checked to make sure the phone worked because if I had not mentioned this before, one of the guys brought me a phone and it didn't work. There was no dial tone. She walked off. And so here I sat with this glimmer of hope that didn't work. So this guy brought me a phone. He made sure it worked. I was able to call my daughter. I was able to call my, um, my, my friend because that's who I'm staying with now. Uh-huh. to let them know, okay, they've got a bond. My bond was $500, which is only $50, which is, again, why I am missed at why am I still here for $50. Oh, and boy. so um, the next thing I know, the guard, uh, he came back, and he took me to go get what I now have on is an ankle bracelet because my husband put on me a restraining order. So those volunteer opportunities or those volunteer positions that you talked about earlier, I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to do those again unless I can get this taken care of to where it's not on my record. So he's taken away my home, which I can't go back to, my neighborhood, because that's a restricted zone. I can't go there because then I get a signal on my ankle bracelet to the police department. And the community that I love serving, all of that was taken away because of a lie. Yeah, not only that. Like I'm a little uh, disappointed about the police, um, the police system. They didn't ask your mom if she was there no. and she would have been a witness. And uh, you were doing fine with the first police. Another one comes in without talking to you, goes inside, talks to your husband, decides to arrest you. And then why would they put you in a maximum um in a maximum See, I don't know. And I, like, I have two thoughts on that. One oh. thought would be because I was a volunteer police officer that I guess that was their way of safeguarding me or that was just the process because of my charge. One thing that I've found about being in jail is that you don't get information. They don't tell you why things are happening. They just tell you stand here, go here, do this. You don't get the why. And so half the things that was happening, I kept trying to rationalize. It was only rational person. And I kept trying to rationalize, why is this happening like this? Can you share some light? And yeah. that's not what happens in jail. You sit where they tell you to sit. You go where they tell you to go. Yeah. And 
I could not believe. I even got food that didn't even have utensils. So, you know, you get treated like this animal, um, and it was just unreal to me because the only thing I ever knew about prison were movies that I saw on television. Oh, my goodness. You know, and now here I am in it, and I am still in, like, this fog where I'm like, this is not happening to me. And because I was a volunteer for the police department, I kept expecting somebody to come in. <laughs> yeah. I kept expecting a police officer to come and go, oh, hey, sure, you know, come over here. We're going to talk to you for a little bit, and we'll let you go. That never happened. Oh, you know, so God. as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking again about this disorder. And I'm thinking, okay, let me pinpoint. Now I have time. And so now, um, again, this takes me back to the trainings that I went through with Jack Cancel, where I now have this impeccable clarity and focus. And, and I'm able to cut out the clutter and the noise. And I'm able yeah. to concentrate on things specifically now. And yeah. so when you think about the symptoms, you know, um, a feeling of being entitled, a lack of empathy for others, bullying, even this thing that they call gaslighting, which is when they tell you something that they tell you something mean or abusive, and then later they deny it, you know, making you think it never even happened. So they try to make you think you're crazy. Yeah. You know, there are problems at work. Um, he, every six to seven months, he would, he would get let go from his job, sometimes right after the 90-day probationary period, and it was always somebody else's fault. It was no training. It was bad products they wanted us to sell. You know, it was, I had no connection with a female manager. One person could never do this job. Um, you know, it was a secret competition. You know, my car cost more than your car. My clothes cost more than your car. I made friends more than you did. You know, really? Oh my! Yeah, it 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 was so it was things like that. There was this, you know, when you think about empathy. um, Yeah. I love family, and my family, we are very close. We're a very close knit family, and so my family would come and visit. Well, he didn't like when my family came to visit, and so you know, every time it came time to renew the lease, well, if your family continues to come, I'm not going to renew the lease, and so there were these threats, and you know, just selfishness, like he couldn't understand why a person would want family around. Why would I want my mother, who's 86 years old, why would she have to be here? You know, things like that is what I used to always get, you know, why? Why, why were they here? Why did they have to come here? And his family never came. Oh, why? Uh, okay, maybe. Yeah, I, maybe I don't know why they never came. I would ask. I would go, why were, and they were closer than mine. My people had to get on a plane. His folks could drive. And they and never, they never came to see him. Okay. No, they never came. Yeah. You know, and we would say things like, I want to save the world, um, you know, because of my volunteering and because of my church work. And so that would upset him too. You know, so his selfishness, his selfishness never allowed him to even phantom what it would be like to help someone unless it was something that was going to advance him or something okay, can that was going I, to Okay, can I ask you a wanted. question? Was there any, like, um, verbal, um, like, abuse or swearing or something in the last, in the time you were living together? Um, we didn't have arguments. Oh, arguments um, is different. Like, Everybody argues, like, but there was no right, name calling and all that. Jack, 
Yeah, these arguments would get to where, you know, you can't make suggestions. So if I were to suggest something to him, how dare I make a suggestion because he doesn't need, you know, he doesn't need help. He knows exactly what's going on. If I were to ask him a question, how dare you question me? So we wouldn't talk. So we would go on for like a week, a week and a half without talking because there was nothing I could say. Um, and then when it got to be where he started to now, okay, belittling me, you know, um, calling me fat or, you know, um, things that he thought would make me feel less than who I am, oh when gosh. that didn't work, that just infuriated him even more. And I think the kicker to all of this, because this is still happening, this is still very fluid as you and I are speaking. Uh-huh. The kicker was um, when I decided after we, as the lease to our home ends, I was going to go one direction, he was going to go into another direction. He has a daughter. Um, she's 22, and she had stayed with us for the last year. Now, that was fine that his daughter could stay, but how dare my family comes and stays. And so at that time, when I assumed the two of them would go live together because that's what he always wanted was for him and his daughter to be together, and she told him, no, because I see how you act. That, I think, was kind of the, I guess if you say the the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. That's where it really happened, where he realized now that he's going to be alone. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, unless like he meets somebody who um, doesn't know anything, you know, uh, about him yet, and then she will have to experience it. But I have uh, so the question is like after this all this incident, how else has it affected you as a result of this police thing and the prison and all these things? How else has it affected you? Because you seem to be having. Sorry, go ahead. On December the 27th, which was last Thursday, um, I lost my job. So behind this, this? I lost my job, yes. I lost my job because of this. Now, um, in this process, he's also sent Facebook posts um, defaming my character. He's sent, I have a business mentor, and he sent my business mentor an email that is just saying that I'm unqualified, my business is not where it's supposed to be. Um, he's also sent him a copy of my arrest record. Now, my business mentor is very loyal. He's a very loyal person, and he has so much integrity, and he sent it to me. My husband did not expect that to happen. And so wow. in his trying to malign me, only thing that he did was, prove to people exactly what I was telling them because I had to get in front of this. When I saw it getting out of control, I went to Facebook and I said, okay, you might get an email, a text, a phone call. <clears throat> Please do not respond because this is the situation. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get in front of it. Excuse me. <clears throat> and so in that process, that's how I learned that he was doing Facebook's emails. We have a restraining order presently, and he continues to text me. He continues to leave me messages. He continues to reach out on Facebook. I had to block him. 
Um, so I am taking pictures of every text, every email. I'm recording every conversation because my court date is January the 18th. So uh, it's not a conversation, though, because you're not really talking to him, are you? No, I am leaving you voice messages. No way whatsoever. Sorry, 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 sorry. What the hell was that? Sorry, excuse me. Oh, okay, go ahead. Yes, I have not responded to any of the voicemail messages. I've responded to none of the text messages because I am going by the letter of the condition of the restraining order now. The flip side to that is he's not supposed to be sending me any contact information either because it goes both ways. Yes. And so I'm keeping the copies of this that I can take them with me. Um, and, you know, what I found out in this process is there's no help. There's no help for a person in my situation. I called a place called Harbor House, which is for their advocates for domestic violence. Yeah. In my mind, I know that I didn't do anything. But to yeah. them, she said I was the batterer. And I, I, I was mortified because that word is so horrible. And it's yeah. not me because that's not who I am. So I can't get any help from a harbor house. I called Legal Aid Society of Seminole County. They told me that because this is considered a criminal defense, they can't help me. So my only option is a public defender, and we know that public defenders meet you five minutes before your trial, and, you know, they don't spend very much time trying to research your case. Yeah. Or I can hire a private lawyer. Now, because I am now unemployed, I can't afford a lawyer. Oh, wow. So I am in a position where I have realized that there is no help for a person in this position. And this is another reason why I agreed to have this conversation with you because the justice system is not serving me. I am already guilty and I have not even been I have not even been to court. So there is no innocence before guilty. There's guilty and then you have to prove you're innocent. Yeah. And so that's where I am now. But I'll tell you, my faith, praying, meditation, and you know, just my prayer warrior sisters, people that have reached out to me as I've shared this information on Facebook and have had similar situations. Yeah. You know, they've had the secret competitions. They've had the, the belittling, the bullying, the lack of empathy. I mean, I've spoken to five and six different women that have been in this similar situation. It has not gone to the extent to where their husband put them in jail to where mine is, but they have had similar instances where they were actually able to get out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I know quite a few women who have lived um, or some of them actually still live um, in that kind of situation. Uh, there is no touching, like hurting or kicking or anything. There is no name calling, but there is this emotional abuse, you know, that they have to deal with. And mm-hmm. a lot of them, I noticed that they don't, they have maybe like 
jobs like on minimum wage and they know they can't afford to live by themselves, especially if they have children. They can't afford to pay for a house, for a home and have kids and all that stuff. So they have to tolerate this. And I used to call it like, for me, it is like emotional abuse and uh, that. But um, So I don't know narcissism and emotional abusers are they like similar they are because narcissism is a mental and emotional abuse they try to make you think that you are less than you are and they try to make sure that they keep you to where you have low self-esteem or you feel as though you're not worthy and when you combat that which is my situation when you combat that because I totally know that the Lord is with me and that I have a, a life's purpose, it makes it harder for them. So to those people that are in those situations, again, there is no cure, but there are treatment. There is treatment, but you have to get the person to, to be agree. able to. Yeah, to exactly. accept that they have a problem. Yeah, that's true, and most of them want. And having exactly. said that, it can also go the other way. I have also seen women who are very abusive towards their husbands. So it's not always men abusing mm-hmm. women, but there are women also who are like, but the, the percentage may be minimal, like, but there are also women who are like just as bad and the guys are nice. So it goes both ways, but it's mostly women who, to, who go through it. So... Um, what is your advice for women or anyone who is living in the same kind of situation, your advice to them what to do right now if they're going through this after listening to this message, after listening to your story? Love yourself. Love yourself enough to know that you deserve better. Um, and that might seem like an ambiguous statement, but in loving yourself, you will find that you are stronger than you ever thought. You will find that people, once you start sharing, and see, a lot of times that's what it is. You want to take this and you feel so bad that you are allowing this to happen to yourself because I feel as though I'm a very intelligent person. And you feel bad because you are allowing this to happen and you don't want people to think of you, you know, as, oh, my gosh, how did you let that happen? Because it's easy to say from the outside. Yes. And so I want you to love yourself enough to know that you deserve better. And I get it if you have kids. I get it if you have bills. But at some point, you have to decide what is more valuable. Because people will help you if you help yourself. And I'll tell you, what did it for me, I, I started looking back. I came across my vision boards. And I started looking back at my vision board, and the statements that I was looking at were just so profound, and they were just just in my face, and I realized that I am much better than this. I am much better than this situation. I am much better than he ever thought. You know, and and it took me to Scripture because, again, um, I, I have a very, very strong faith and it took me to Psalm 139.14, which says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Because this journey 
I did not go through this journey by myself. I had a lot of help on this journey. I shared it with people. I had people responding to me via Facebook. I had people just praying for me and sending me light and energy and love and strength. And that's what you need because this is something that you can't do by yourself. Yeah. But with help, you can get through this. And that's what I want them to understand is that you can get through this. You are stronger than you ever thought possible. Yes, that is a great message. So um, before we close, I just wanted to ask you, um, so you've been through a, such rough, like, few weeks. How do you, like, like, in few words, how do you find your grace, your peace, and your balance in this ter- during this turmoil? You know, I, um, I formed a company months ago, uh, the Davis Consulting Group, and it yeah. focused on success principles and vision boards, and I, I understand that there is a powerful and creative way to achieve clarity. So the biggest questions surrounding your career, your business, your relationship, your personal project, and I use everything that I talk about. I conduct a Facebook Live session uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and it's called Success 10 Minutes, Rejuvenate, Recharge, and Revive. And I share with people success principles that allows them to get from where they are to where they want to be. And it, gives, it provides strategies. And this is, you know, it would be hypocritical of me to share strategies and success principles and not use them myself. Excellent. Yeah, well said. And so I use those success principles to get through this. I use meditation. I use visualization. I use goal setting. I am still progressing through this journey. But I also know that I have something that I can share with others that will help them get to that next level that they want to accomplish. And then I, I enjoy coaching. I love helping other people. And a lot of times people don't really know that they need a coach or how to find a coach. But I'm a scuba diver, and we always would have a dive buddy. Yeah. And that dive buddy was to make sure that you had air if something happened. But it was also to make sure that you had a great experience. And that's what a coach does. The coach pushes you past those subconscious blocks, those limits, those beliefs, and get your results like you never had before. Suddenly you're able to run further and faster than when you attempted the course alone. Yeah. So I look at that, and that's what gets me through, is because I'm not in this alone. This is a journey for me, and I'm willing to go on this journey with other people. And that's what I love about uh, working through the Davis Consulting Group and sharing success principles and using vision boards as that roadmap, and then following up through the vision boards and making sure that the goals are actually accomplished. Yeah. Because it's that action step, right? We all have these, all of these different things floating around in our head of what we want to do, where we want to be, but that first step is what's important, and that's that action step. Yes. And so being able to help a person get to that first step and then to the second step and to the third step and accomplishing those goals is what allows me to feel fulfilled. And that's my life's purpose, is to rejuvenate, recharge, and revive others 
so that they may open up the doors for happiness, joy, and fulfillment so they can live their best life ever because that's what we're meant to do. Excellent. Well said, Cheryl Davis. Excellent, excellent. Any last word? Yeah. Um, about online. Yeah. Florida. If you're in Orlando, Florida, I do have a vision board session coming up. Please join me on Facebook at davisconsulting.focus. And if you, are, if you are dealing with an individual that has narcissistic personality disorder, this is real, and it's not your fault. Don't let them blame you. But be aware that these individuals are very good at constructing a fantasy about who they are and what they can offer. They tend to be very charming and confident, and that draws people to them. Yeah. So be realistic about the relationship with the narcissist and avoid falling into the trap of thinking that this charming person is motivated by wanting to meet your needs because they're not. They're devoted to their own needs, not yours, and I'm willing to talk about it. I'm willing to listen to you. I'm also um, in the process of writing a book on my experience, and so I have got some individuals that are going through this that are going to help as co-authors. So I am also looking for um, stories. But more importantly, I am looking for people that just go, you know what, thank you for bringing it out in the open because this is not something that your next day your neighbor has or your friend has. And let's not try to label people because they have one trait. This is like times 100. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes, so, when your book is ready also, we're going to talk about it. And uh, it was so nice and interesting listening to you. Um, and I am really proud of you, the way you're dealing with it. Uh, somebody else would have a breakdown by now, but um, I am proud of your faith. I am proud that you're following what we've been studying and you're a strong woman, and you're, I'm sure after listening to this or after watching your Facebook Lives, a lot of women are going to call on you. And for our listeners, um, I will be posting um, uh, Cheryl's bio on Podbean, so check her out, and on Facebook. I will also add her Facebook page, so check her out, and... Um, it was lovely, lovely having you on my podcast, Cheryl. Thank you. And if I have one last thing to say, is that everybody should just rise and shine. Rise and shine. There you go, guys. Rise and shine. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Cheryl, for being on my podcast. And I wish you grace, peace, and balance. Have a good night. Good night, Sharon. Cheryl. Good night, Gabby. Thank you so much for having me on. Have a You're blessed welcome. evening. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Bye.